0: but um you mentioned like i said i I thought you were a caligure a surfer caligure but you said you're from like what you call the lettuce the lettuce (laughs) boat
1: yeah i i could be totally wrong with that term that could be somewhere in like kansas it it sounds familiar um, it sounds i
0: want to say it sounds familiar around around bakersfield Oxnard, that area yes
1: yes so bakersfield is that whole area you're describing is definitely like the lower end of the central valley in california Mm -hmm. where I don't remember what the percentage is, so I won't say it and say it's the wrong thing. But it's, like, it's more than 70%. I want to say closer to, like, 90% of all the, like, fruit produce that we eat comes from here, or comes wow. from here And so, it's it's a big agriculture hunt spot. A lot of dairies, a lot of, mm. um, yeah, dairy farmers. First Ranch is in that area, which is, like, huge, like, meat production yeah. thing, cattle ranch. So, yeah.
0: So, is it far from the coast, or...?
1: It's, like, right in the center. So, it's about two two hours, two and a half hours to the coast, to the beach, mm-hmm. and then the other direction going east, you can go to the mountains, like, if you snowboard or whatever, Sierra see right it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: so, you didn't move that far away, actually. You went to, what part of Nevada did you move to? I mean, if
1: you don't mind saying,
0: like, what? Yeah,
1: so, I'm area? actually, I'm actually not that far. I'm on the west side of Nevada, like, right on the border between California and Nevada, close mm-hmm. to Chico. Um, so, yeah. I'm in Carson City, Carson City, Reno area.
0: Yeah. Carson City. I remember that from a movie, Carson City. But really? I, I've, I've only been to Vegas as far as Nevada goes. I've only been to Vegas and then I went to L.A. recently. Um, and that's my only sense of California. But I still have to do the more, I guess, scenic areas of California, the mountains and all that. I, but, but the thing that scares me is that if they say go at your risk, because you could run into wildlife, right? It is very common to run into like a mountain lion or something like that. <laughs>
1: I definitely would not say common to see a mountain lion for sure.
2: <laughs> but, it's not common. Okay.
1: Like I, so I just moved here three weeks ago or so.
0: Okay.
1: And before that, I was in Joshua Tree for the last six months. And so, do you know where that is? Like, are you familiar with that area at all? I've
0: heard of it. What is it though? I I just heard that it's it's um I've heard of it. I've heard it in albums, I think. But what it, it just yeah,
3: what is
1: it? So, so Joshua Tree is it's in the Mojave desert and it's the high desert portion. It's like Palm Springs, Coachella, like all the, the, the hotspot area for like Coachella stagecoach, all these different festivals. Mm-hmm. It's that region. But Joshua tree is the higher elevation little part of it. And, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's very much a hippie, like uh, vortex ki- kind of a place. So people go a lot of touristy kind of things are there. People go there for like,
2: you know, hippie shit.
1: <laughs> and, um, yeah, I was having Airbnb there pretty uh, isolated for five and a half months and every day almost there was something. you know, there's like uh, coyotes in the front yard. Or one day I did see a bobcat that walked up to the front door and then like walked out once the dog started barking. But
0: because bop- those it a bobcat that look almost like a house cat, but it could ask you what really seriously,
2: right? It looks like, like almost like a house cat, right?
1: Yeah, they have like... Um, they're really not that big. It looks like a huge house kind of. They're, yeah. They
2: got
1: like <laughs> fluffy paws and they kind of like fluffier face, but yeah.
2: <laughs> I'll fuck you up, right? I mean, I uh-huh. mean, a, a regular cat. Yeah. They're super
1: elusive, so like they'll try to avoid humans at all costs. But they could fuck you up if they tried
0: Yeah, <laughs> if they're cornered, if they feel like they're threatened. I mean, a regular cat could f you up, fuck you up seriously. Yeah. You know, if if he yeah. doesn't want to be pet, if like we have a cat and he's like, who give you a warning, like. I Okay, put me down now. It's enough, you know. But if you if you if you persist, he'll scratch you. it'll do his yeah. thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, oh, there you go. Hey.
2: Yeah. And the dog. Mm-hmm. Wow. There you
0: go. No, but I was, I was reading your profile, and one thing that stood out to me immediately, um, I was honestly kind of intimidated. Because, uh, like, I went to your Instagram and you're just like you're out there, like you're like it's like I felt like I had to go do something like very motivating. You're very you're very like in your face, like okay, this is this and this is that. And I'm just like oh shit, I, I need to I need to get up and do something. You know, <laughs> the only thing I can kind of compare it to is like I guess fit, influence, like, fit influencers, I guess who are like saying go, go do these reps, but you're um I wouldn't say stick that sounds like a cheap hack but i think your Mm. mantra is more you know exercising the spirit and the soul correct me if i'm wrong but that's kind of what it felt like it was like you need to do this do this for your soul heal this do that do that you know instead of go up and get do push-ups go run laps it was more like mental and spiritual exercises that you were kind of like influencing me to indulge in and that that was something that was interesting when i came across your profile after the the
1: website Thank you for that. That is, I love that reflection so much.
0: And it's it's genuine. It's genuine. It's genuine. I,
1: I so appreciate that. I really do. And this is something that like consciously for me is becoming more and more clear as time goes on in my work that like one of my something that makes me unique in the field of personal development or spirituality or whatever. You know, it's a broad topic. But what mm-hmm. I think I uniquely bring to that table is the ability to take very like nuanced and esoteric things and make them practical and applicable for people. Mm. And so like, that's what comes to mind hearing you say that. It's like, this is all the woo-woo, la-dee-da, and like, this is what you can do right now, and this is how to do it and go do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I compare it to someone, I compare it to people in, in the line of field, like you said, with a talking pillow sitting around a couch and, you know, and now we're going to talk our, about our feelings, you know, and there's a time and place for all these things, right? But I, I see you being as the, the kind of um, person that comes in and throws it on the table. Like, no, we're going to, we're going to handle this and deal with this. Whereas, you know, more people have a different kind of approach of like, you know, let's just have a talking pillow and approach things in a different manner. Do you feel like your life experience, I mean, obviously... did did that make you kind of be like okay gloves off we have to tackle these things more straightforward be honest with people be more like open with people when it comes to whether it be sexual education or these things like and the spiritual healing that takes place from trauma from experiences you know do you feel Mm -hmm. like that builds you up to be like get rid of all the filters just be straightforward Mm so i love this
1: question um because i feel like Like, you have the capacity and maybe, like, just the the tone of your show has the capacity for more in-depth answers. This is where I want to go with it. (laughs) I have kind of two, two answers to that. It feels like a chicken or the egg kind of thing. Because on one hand, yes, absolutely. Like, if we just looked at my history of this lifetime, like, for sure, there's been a number of, like, intense initiation type of experiences that I've gone through that have, in a sense, kind of, like uh what's the term like that's in my heart is the experience it's where like like i've been forced through, the, through fire the fire in, in a way that, way that makes my delivery maybe a little bit less um, fluffy than somebody yeah, else's that is fire.
2: You know, that's yeah.
1: yeah. right where it's like i also through my own experiences my own embodiment that the fluff isn't what you actually need or want you know people actually are looking for honesty when they're seeking help you know they don't sure, you want some encouragement inspiration, but, like, if it's not paired with a heavy dose of honesty, that needle will never move forward. And so I am very, like, pragmatic in that sense based on my life experience, but also mm-hmm. I would say no because I am a firm believer that this is one of many, 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 many lifetimes, mm-hmm. and um, I came here with all of this stuff for the most part like on the side of free will, like, predetermined. And so mm-hmm. it's, like, my soul in my perspective chose this life chose the things that i was going to go through that i've gone through in the past now and like i feel more like i'm just showing up for the role that i came here for all along versus Mm -hmm. like this life shaped me into something you know what i'm saying Mm
0: -hmm. yeah with that with that being said um would your belief be that you have another lifetime after this one
2: for sure (laughs) for sure
0: do you think your current path right now is also going to influence, obviously, the other one, like the ones that before you?
1: I do. I do. And this is where we can get real weird about it because, like, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm weird.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay,
0: good.
1: It's so, like, helpful to think about these types of, like, totally, um, intangible things in a linear way because we live in a linear world you know like we think way we need structures and frameworks to make sense of things in the 3d and so it's like easy it's helpful for us to think about like past life current life future life but i don't even actually think that that's how it plays out you know i'm I, like you think what's that movie interstellar i feel like that's like as accurate as it could be where at the end, you know, he's in, like, the whatever other dimension, and it's, like, all of these things happening all at the same time in the same place, and it's, it's, there is no separation, you know, and so I think even the idea that something happened in the past and will happen later is some influence of separation.
0: Whereas that was more science fiction, is your belief more spiritual-based? Because the like Interstellar was, like, science fictiony, like, wormholes, like, time warps, it was more like, because, I mean... Spoiler alert to anyone, but it was because you know him sending the, the messages through the bookshelf, and that was that was more that wasn't another lifetime, that was more a warm hole that he went through, really? right? A black hole. So, do you feel like from your perspective, it's a finite life in a certain lifetime and then another lifetime? Whereas that one was like a warm hole, is that kind of like a difference?
1: Yeah, so I think that the, the like what to me at this moment in time feels more like ultimate truth is the way that it was shown in that movie where like it really is all happening at the same time. Like he's in a, mm. to the daughter, for example, from her perspective, the dad, the one who's gone now, he's like completely gone, you know, but mm-hmm. from his perspective, he's absolutely right there. And so like, that's how I see it. where like, everything is always right now. There is no mm-hmm. thing. Out there. Um, but, but I, I think, think that, that we are also, also served by, by having limited perspectives at times. Or like from this view, we have a finite amount of life to live versus a more expanded view. It's like, okay, maybe it's all happening. a bigger view, it's like, oh, okay, we're all here right now. And like, you know, I think yeah. in the 3D, we need to have a balance of those because we mm-hmm. can't just be untethered and floating mm-hmm. in the cosmos mm-hmm. all the time or else we, we wouldn't, wouldn't be here, here on, right. on Earth. And so and it's, yeah. so it's yeah. like, you yeah. have some, some, some rigidity, I think, I think in our, our understanding, source. but, but mm-hmm. at, the at the same time, time it, feels it feels just, you know, you know everything we need to receive. I know is not the truth <laughs> you know what i'm saying because yep. naturally we come
0: with limitation yeah like what what overwhelms me i guess is the opposite i wouldn't i wouldn't say belief it's not like i have something invested in it it's not like my belief or something but like my understanding of what i'm kind of um, expecting um that sounds kind of grim but it's kind of the opposite because it's like mm. every time i think about death i think about it's it's eternal like i'm not waking up one day and that's it. And the scariest thing, but also, depending on whatever, um, is not being aware of it, not being conscious, like an eternity of unconsciousness. And mm. eternity is forever, forever, ever, ever. And that's what kind of scares me. It's not that I don't believe in heaven
2: or, or, or an afterlife. It's not that I actually don't believe in it.
0: But what ponders the most in my mind is eternal nothingness and just being unconscious and not knowing that it's nothingness but never waking up you know it's like mm-hmm. it's like it's like when you go to sleep and you if you don't dream and then you wake up you know it's like that little moment but not waking up that's what kind of um mm-hmm. overwhelms my thoughts you know it's not like i believe in it. it's not like that's what i want to believe it's just that's kind of the way i kind of sometimes look at it it's, it's kind of the opposite from- Interesting. it's not that i want to interesting it's not that i want so it's not like i'm invested in it it's not like i'm trying to go around and persuade people it's just something that's on my mind and it kind of like weighs on my chest like even with my cousins sometimes like i'll just talk about death and they'll be like man we don't want to talk about that you know (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah, i'll just i'll just i'll just be like bro do you know how long an eternity is an eternity an eternity is like um i don't know a, a grain of sand at at the beach shore that's a century an eternity is like a thousand beaches with millions of grains it's an eternity, right so I, I, I get overwhelmed with that, but not in the way not like if not like where I'm actively afraid of dying. it's just like a pressure that I feel in my chest of like eternity of, of just like you know and, and, and that that's the way that I kind of sometimes perceive it and like I said it's not a belief, it's not like I'm actively believing in that. Right. I'm trying to persuade people that's just like how it weighs on me as far as you know afterlife or other lifetimes.
1: Mm -hmm. That is so, so, so interesting to me. I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe that in that way. And like, yeah, like trying that on in my own mind, my immediate, my immediate, like, what feels like it puts that thought to rest for me is I guess my perspective or understanding that I would say belief. I don't believe that Mm -hmm we can experience a lack of consciousness outside of a physical form. My understanding is that like, consciousness is, period, like full sentence, consciousness is, all there is. And in this human form of limitation, we experience a lack of consciousness by choice to grow through the duality of putting blind spots and shadow and light, and all the, mm. you know, framework to grow through. But once the, the form is taken off the table and we return to that, like, eternal consciousness i see it as only possible to be eternal consciousness, not a lack of it
0: so do you actively think that way like for example like is that how you kind of explain deja vu when it occurs to you you kind of be like oh maybe that was a different you know is that how you look at deja vu things like this
1: yep totally even like something as simple as like so i have a real example i was with a client earlier in a a session on zoom Mm -hmm. and something i'm helping this particular client with this his dating life, his dating profile. And so I had his his bumble pulled up on my computer and we were both looking at it at the same time, like swiping through women. (laughs) And kind of Yes. Yes. I love doing it because it's like the the man or or woman doesn't matter. Like whoever's in front of me might perceive a profile one way, whereas I might see something else and, and it's relevant for them to know. So we're looking through these women. And there was one profile where it's like on a desktop version, at least maybe on the phones. I don't know. The very first thing that pops up is just a picture, you know, it doesn't really say anything, it says like their name, age, picture. And this woman's face popped up, and just immediately I was like, I'm gonna just swipe no. And he was like, Uh, well, okay, I wasn't into her anyways, but okay, why? And like it mm-hmm. was too quick for him to even like be on board with yet. But as soon as I saw her face, her eyes, the energy, I was just like, No. There's a no, yeah. like there's something. It's her density, her energy. It's there's something dark about yeah. you no. Know? <laughs> that like I don't think that that is coming from fresh slate. You know what I mean? Like I I believe that my ability to like interpret or even like pick up on somebody's mm-hmm. like lightness or darkness in their energy comes from mm-hmm. a potential experience of them in a past life.
0: You know, but, or something so else. people normally people would be like, Oh, it's my gut feeling. And that's kind of like instead of just saying gut feeling, you're adding more substance to that actual feeling. More, you know, yeah. more history to it, you know, more nuance. Mm-hmm. People would just be like, oh I had a gut feeling about that. And mm-hmm. people sometimes it happens. Sometimes people would be like, Oh I was gonna go down that road today, but this happened or it's whatever. Uh this guy, uh he was a handsome guy, um, had whatever qualifiers i'm looking for in a partner but just something about them like you said the energy is just told me and eh, you know like his teeth were a little too white you know like yeah. they were like you know it was something like he was yeah. a little too
2: too clean too
0: meticulous wasn't authentic mm-hmm. you know, and that's what happens a lot sometimes people are putting on a a, a mask or a persona if you will for yeah. people who they feel like this is what they want to be Right? this is what they want to see so it's cool that you said that because it is a thought. Like I think when people hear energy and these things, they they tune out and they okay. and get, oh, that's like that's hippie talk, okay. you know. And and I mean that's that can be a perspective, but I think it's unfair to just throw everything out the window like that. Like um another example um, um from your profile that I saw, you're not pigeonholed in a single religion. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you, you grab what you like from various things that you want to, you know, learn more about or believe in.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Would that be an accurate assessment or delve into that if you, if you might? I hang
1: hang on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Pros Pros for for one second. second. We're, We're good. good. Um, yeah, absolutely. So the whole, like, culmination of how this
2: has come to be for me, like, anything to do with, like,
1: those terms, God, Christ consciousness, like, spirituality in general has been a huge evolution for me because like mm. starting from day one, household upbringing, childhood upbringing was, was like a joke and I used to call it like a heathen household. Like it was like as anti-religious as it, as it could be. Um, it was like a hardcore, super rude atheist as a teenager. <laughs> like, I would, I just, right. I would just like brash, like as hell, tell people like, Oh, you're stupid. If you believe in that, like, I was just very, um, you know, black and white Mm narrow-minded about the whole thing and then in my early adult like 19 to like 22 a handful of experiences i consider like spiritual awakening were very difficult that kind of forced me or inspired me or something to look for something more than what i had been comfortable with that what i can see touch taste you know like i I felt so much loss that I had never felt before that I was willing to like believe in something that I couldn't see if it helped me through that grieving process or through the like, understanding of what the fuck, you know, like
2: how
1: I wanted to deepen my understanding of things. And then as time has gone on, it's led me into, I joke with my friends. I'm like, you know how like the taboo of my past is. And it's like, as time goes on, people have all these assumptions. Like I worked in a strip club for three years, a long time ago. For the record, I do not condone the sex industry in any fashion at all. So that's just a you know, disclaimer. But uh, in the past, when I was in that in that industry before I you know had my awakening and, and healed my way out of it, um, people know that about me or they learn that and then they have assumptions. They're like, oh, well, then you must be fine being naked in front of anybody. Or whatever yeah. they think that it means that I have a certain attitude towards sex or life or whatever. Mm-hmm. But as time goes on, I feel like more and more in the opposite direction, I'm like turning into a Puritan kind of yeah. <laughs> where like my connection with spirit, with God, with creation, whatever you want to call it, and my personal interest in learning about how those like ineffable like impossible to actually comprehend things have been manipulated and and used and abused to for different reasons maybe the intention was pure to begin with but like for control or power or money or whatever through all these different forms of of controlled and organized religions like my interest in all of it has grown so much and it's because my relationship with that like the raw essence of what god is is so important to my life and it's only gotten more and more important and so naturally wanting myself to be able to communicate all of that wisdom or benefit or whatever mm-hmm. i have personally felt interested to learn about like the ways that most people are often introduced to god in their lives because i see the the distortion in it you know and so it's not about like oh catholicism is bad or being a Mormon is wrong like it's not about that it's like i am very passionate about helping people connect with the truth from their own truth versus like through something that they were given externally. And then now they believe. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. Because to me, the difficult thing was always, um, um, growing up, like I said, I was also similar, probably not as hardcore, but I was also like anti religion, I guess you would say. And the thing mm-hmm. that always got to me was that, um, you're putting, are your eggs in a basket? Um, as far as being right or being this religion, being the right one, but you were just born mm-hmm. into it. So what did, like, so if your parents like for example I have plenty of friends that um their parents were Christians and then when they were born they were Catholics. So like if you would have been born 3 years later or earlier you would have been a Christian. So that would have been your whole truth, it would have been based on whatever church your parents went to. And that's something I always kind of found difficult but obviously religion it's about the connection that one has with God. You know, the the structure and the facilitation that happens through a certain religion, you know, that obviously there's community there that's you know community and it's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. but i think sometimes people get pigeonholed into this is my tribe you know whatever religion etc this is my tribe and we're right and they're wrong over there and i think that's that's where i as a teenager always saw the the bad part in religion i guess mm-hmm. you know, now I, i'm more mature about it but um sure. that's something that from yours like for example i saw like you, you you're mentioning god and then you're also mentioning uh, getting into buddhism and mm-hmm. upon uh, other things too which is which is cool i think that's the way it should be you should look mm-hmm. you know into different avenues to explore one's spirituality
1: mm-hmm. yeah i completely agree and like not now because my understanding of things feels so like anchored into my being and who i am but mm-hmm. maybe four four years ago like closer to the beginning of what i really consider my awakening um I was just in a deep exploration phase. I mean, I still am and always will be, probably, but it's like, you know, I'm ready to clarity. We're well, always
0: you know? learning. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. I didn't have anything that felt very solid in my belief system. You know, I just had ideas and like nothing that I could like articulate with confidence. And so I was always looking for things and I'd have pause and breakdown, breakthroughs, and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I had this recurring thought of like, why doesn't something exist like this? Like, why is there not like a church for this kind of thing? Like, mm-hmm. you know, this now in hindsight, I can recognize it, which maybe was the seed of all religion, a desire for community. Like you said, a desire for the ability to connect with other human beings who, um, you know, sharing this connection with something bigger. And so I think the intention with just that is great every time I came to the same conclusion, when I thought it through hard me, and it was just like, duh, kind of statement to me, that any time ever, that the essence of life, God, creation, universe, source, spirit, whatever you want to call it, is tried to put into something measurable, like a church, it is automatically distorted, Period doesn't matter how pure the intention is because it's something that cannot be harnessed, cannot truly be perceived. Yeah. It can just be known and built a relationship with and trusted. That's the whole idea of faith because yep. if it was something you could really wrap your head around, you wouldn't need much faith, you know? Yep. And yep. so it's like anytime it's tried to made be made structured or organized in any fashion, I think it gets diluted and distorted and, and something that is no longer the true essence of God. And so, um, Yeah. No,
0: I mean, humans are corruptible. So, like, it sucks because sometimes, too, um, it's a bad experience that someone has with a certain, um, you know, figure in the church, and, you know, that makes them different from yeah. religion altogether. Like, um, people have traumatic stories, but I have a, a more funny story. Obviously, it's not, it's in the moment, it wasn't funny. But um, one one of someone close to me, one of my cousins, actually, what made him leave the church was because um, the, the, the priest, priests um basically called him an idiot, you know, called him an idiot, which mm-hmm. isn't cool. is isn't cool to call a kid an idiot, but I mean, priests have done worse for things to kids, so I think he got off lucky. Right. You know, so so he called him an idiot. He, he, like, he called him an idiot. He reprimanded him. It was like a Catholic school, like Sunday school. And because mm-hmm. of that, my cousin never went back to church. He said, man,
2: that guy mm-hmm. like an asshole.
0: And I get it. I get it. You know, when you're a kid, people hurt your feelings or whatever. But mm-hmm. that's, that's a mild example of how people can lose their faith or because a certain figure at that church a person of status you know at that church was an asshole or or was worse than that you know did some you know something to them and that's where i see that it's it's pretty fallible when it comes to religion and i think that's that that's the tricky part of navigating it but um i really like i really like really the way you're going with it i really like that and um it's it's awesome because like you said you're going towards a Puritan route, but you said it in a joking way. But it is funny okay. because, uh, you know, pure like there are certain religions that wouldn't let you have like the, the image of Buddha in your house or Tibetan okay. philosophy, relics, or anything like that, because that would be seen as sacrilege. So, okay. you see, do you see like a difference in that? Like, as far as your circle goes, I would imagine, you know, it's similar okay. to your beliefs, but do you see a difference with our far generation? Like, as far as like not being so with religion not being so you know downtrodden to like not explore different things i mean i kind of see it but i was kind of wondering your perspective
1: yeah i i mean just from the most general like Mm -hmm. um assessment of our generation and younger ones coming it's like we have so much more access to everything Mm -hmm. you know and so it's like in general that i guess it's arguable makes us less controllable or more controllable but Mm -hmm. if we can you know pick the less controllable perspective then it's like, if a kid has Google starting at six years old or whatever it is, you know, yeah. in most households, then they're going to be more opportunistic, I would guess, around asking the questions they have, because like every client I've ever worked with, and many of my clients are like uh, middle-aged, 50s-ish, like 40s, 50s, those are like, they're my favorite people to work with, because at that point in time, they're like, okay, I'm done, fucking around like i'm ready to change and so yes. i like working with those people um but a lot of them have had very strict upbringings of different sorts catholic mormon um christian for sure just different different upbringings that were more rigid and they can tell me when we go through different childhood things and we're we're working on their healing from the past they tell me all at some point that at this point or that point they questioned xyz And then somehow that was like muffled or Mm -hmm. put away in a corner or like not allowed or they just put it in the back of their mind themselves because of something they witnessed or whatever, you know? And now I feel like the natural curiosity that will arise in children being told something is true. And then they're like, but why? You know, kids, natural questioning is something that has a lot more space now in our generation and coming generations than it ever has. And so, I imagine there's a lot more um, diversity to come because, and a lot more critical thinking, hopefully, because yep. you access
0: to it. Yeah, like like obviously, you're always going to have your pockets of people who are you know born into it, hardcore, um, whatever it may be, um, Muslim, Christian, whatever. But obviously, you have pockets of that. But like, I agree with you. I think for the for the majority of people of our generation. I'm lumping myself in there with you because I, I I think I might older than you, but I'm I'm still trying to cling on to the generation, right? But um, yeah, <laughs> I I think I think it's I think it's something there. There's something there with that, and I've seen it with uh, people close to me. People close to me, um, they've had awakening moments where you know they become um, Christian or Catholic, and it's it's a bit intense at first. They 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 become very not the same person they were. Uh, not laughing as much at, at, you know, improper or dirty jokes, kind of just like a little chuckle. Mm-hmm. But then after a while, I feel like they kind of mellow out and they'd be like, it's okay. I can still have my, my faith and still, you know, kick the shit.
3: And I feel mm-hmm. like that
0: that's that's kind of what happens. I see it with a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. They'll go to church and good for them. And But then they'll feel like they have to be very, almost like the parent in the room, right? Like they mm-hmm. have to be the parent. But then after a while, they kind of mellow out and it's like, it's it's a bit more like, not as much as before, like the person I knew before, but closer to that than before.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And I, I agree with you. I even have a specific memory. So when my parents split up when I was like five years old for, I don't remember what the story was. I was too young, but at some point in an effort to like save the marriage, my mom wanted us to be Mormon. And so we were Mormon when I was a little kid for like six months or something, went to church and then... Did not at some point, and when I was maybe 11 12, uh, I had moved. I was living with my dad alone and with my sister, but he was single parent. We moved to a new house and found out that one of the neighbors was a person from the Mormon church where we had gone like five or six years ago for a short amount of time. Okay, and so okay. she was like, oh, You girls are here, like, great, like, do you want to come to church with me? And so yeah. she started inviting my sister and I to go with her, and I went with her for maybe like three or four weeks in a row. And even at that age, I was conscious of how, over that short amount of time, hearing my dad who cusses a lot, like it started to feel like a negative impact on me. Just hearing the word "fuck" or hearing him say something, like, mm-hmm. like cringe inside because I was internalizing a certain narrative. And even just that short amount of time that it was bad. This idea of something right versus wrong. And yeah. I think that that is why spirituality in general. Oh, why I'm so open to different, like, picking and pulling different pieces of different traditions um, has drawn me more than any other structured, organized religion. Because the, like, the undertone of all religions that I see as harmful is that it teaches God and the relationship with God as a hierarchical thing. Where it's not God is within you and outside of you and is everything. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. God is here yeah. and yeah, he's in you too, you know, made in his image, but only yeah. if you behave yourself.
0: And, <laughs> and they're, like, they're, it, it puts, it puts uh, gatekeepers there. The figures yeah. of the church or the establishment, they're the, they're the gatekeepers, you know, so yes. yeah. And when they have power, that power corrupts absolutely. And that's what happens.
1: And it can yeah. trained your, your voice <laughs> to become a gatekeeper for yourself. Well yep. then it, where then it's like you're you know, you're judging yourself or others around you as right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Internalized like, good means you get something good and bad means you get yeah. something bad. And like
0: it's just not true. Yeah, and then you have that, I mean, as a as a Mexican Native American, uh you have that Catholic guilt, obviously because of uh Spanish and all that and you know, ancient times Catholicism, Mexico. But uh you have that internalized Catholic guilt. But um I wanted to ask you about more growing up being a Mormon, do you remember like, actively, when when your f- mom's friend invited you, how old were you then? Which, the second um,
1: so, I went for about six months when I was, like, five-ish, maybe six. Mm-hmm. And then I went for about a month or two max when I was, like, 12. Okay, when
0: well, you were that right. 12. So, do you remember a lot of, from it, or in general? Because
2: I had I had no I, I remember certain things. I remember
1: certain things, yeah. Like, I remember that um, the dress code is incredibly strict. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And me, like, this has been a thing my whole life. It just happens to be very comfortable with my hippie life now. But even as a young child, I like heated clothes. Hated them. Like, just the feeling of it, it feels restrictive. Like, I just don't like clothes for the most part. And, um, like, little girls, you have to wear your nylons, you have to wear a certain type of shoes, you have to wear the dress, you have to, like, it's like, it's like robotic feeling. It kind of feels like you walk into a time machine. Um,
2: yeah.
1: It's dressed the same, and it's all, like, and so just things like that, there's kind of like the, the essence of that spills out into everything, how everything is done. There's nothing that feels casual. It's all very rigid and orderly and it's a three hour long service. It's, wow. it's, it's dense. Like it's very serious and dense. And so that's what I remember being very bored. <laughs> like um, It's it's not engaging for kids. Um, So for children, at least, I don't know how it goes as an adult, but for kids, it's an hour in this, like, shared service space, sermon, whatever they call it, and then an hour of all the kids together, and then an hour of kids separated into their own age groups. So two hours is, like, kids doing just kid things, and even during that, with, like, snacks and songs and all those other kid-friendly things, it's not fun. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's very much, it feels like school more than anything else where it's like mm-hmm. the, it's the vibe is clear that you're there to learn something and like yep. learn well
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know there's an expectation for you to learn it well and i just remember that and feeling even at that age five six years old feeling like a little bit of like shame or embarrassment yep. that yep. i didn't know the bible stories and all the other kids knew and things like that so yeah. it's very much yeah. a performance feeling thing
0: like like it's, yeah performance that's a good word for it the, the thing the the gist i give a lot of religions the ones that i've experienced or um have secondhand experience with is that it's almost like you go in um you go in already down so many points and you have to redeem yourself I, yeah. I i've never seen a church where you go in and it's like bro you're the best and you're up there it's all about knocking you down a couple pegs and you have to redeem yourself you have to prove yourself worthy mm-hmm. of this of the god of this religion and and that's something that I've always felt. You know, it's like, and people have different approaches to it because my experience, um, I've never experienced Mormons, but I've experienced uh, Jehovah's Witness churches. Mm-hmm. And um, just like any other 14 year old in, in my um city, the reason that we end up in Jehovah's Witness churches is because we're trying to get with a girl. Like there's a girl mm-hmm. at school, there's some yeah. girl at school and, <laughs> and she's like, oh, come to church with me. And you're like, all right. And it's funny because like, you show up and, and you stand out immediately because yeah. they wear suits. Everyone wears suits and ties. And they're always, there's every now and then, there's this guy that come in with a dress shirt or something like something semi casual, but not a suit. And okay, mm-hmm. that, those guys are here because they're trying to talk to some girl. But the people, they allow it. They allow it because they're hoping that you're going to come and you're going to like what you see and enjoy the community. And, you're gonna say it. and it happens. But so that's more an experience with like stringent, like uptight religions as Jehovah's Witness. Is that similar to Mormons, like, as far as the strict nature of it, or would you say?
1: I don't have very much personal experience with Jehovah's Witness, like, teachings, just, you know, the things that most people know, like, they don't celebrate holidays, like, things like that. Yeah, yeah, like that, like, yeah. Just much much yeah. yeah, like, I would definitely say comparable as far as, like, the rigidity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's very, very formal, and there's a lot of um, tradition expectation that goes into how how people behave in the religion, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know a lot of the details, but I will say, so that it's not just like bashing hour, you know, I will course, say that, mm-hmm. um, like, from a higher perspective, I can empathize with everybody that has ever sought religion or even been raised into it and believed it, because, mm-hmm. I believe that that's part of like the hero's journey that we're here to all have as humans in our own unique ways is to transcend victim consciousness that perpetuates the idea that anything we need is outside of ourselves. And before we wake up to that, before we start to get keen on finding all the different ways and subtle, subtle ways that we um, exchange power with the world in order to get something, you know, before we wake up to that, something that promises uh, salvation or being saved or some form of that is so appealing, you know, to any part of victim consciousness, even pressed so deep down in the shadows that has you feeling like you don't have all the answers or access to finding the answers and some billboard on the fucking freeway says, call 1-800-JESUS, like we will save you. Of course that looks appealing, you know? Mm -hmm. So like I have so much empathy for the people who have been in in any sort of religious, like, um, uh, I don't want to say brainwashing, that's biased, but like, you know, any sort of indoctrination, they put themselves in that position because they're looking for, they're looking for something good. You know, I think at the end of the day, everybody is always doing something for, the most pure motivation to be loved to be you know connected the way that our souls all were before we came into this human form and so um i think it's a natural response to seek it out mm-hmm. now that it's been created as an option in our cultures
0: yeah and to be fair to people that are um, actively involved in, in their church and inviting other people it's not like they're inviting them to a cult. It's not like they're trying to brainwash them. They believe that there's salvation there, so why wouldn't I want my best friend to be saved too? Why wouldn't I want my best friend to feel this connection with Jesus or with whoever it may be? So, so that's also comes from a good place, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think if any, very, very, very few, on like a super low percentage of people who identify as religious are consciously aware of the harms that can come from it. You know, I think if you're in that boat, it's because you think it's a good vote. And I think that there's something like honorable and altruistic about that, even yeah. if the more awake and aware reality is
0: contradictory. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, from my perspective, um, obviously, you can't put all Mexicans in, in one religion. But for the most part, uh, the majority, I think, are Catholics. And that's because I think the Catholic religion, as far as what it is now in present day, that's the one that they can tolerate the most because it's, it's very minimal. It's very minimal. You go to church, you know, once a week, if anything. Um, and then you can, you can still drink, you can still enjoy your, your party. And you can still do all these things for the most part. Um, and then if you do slip up, you just have a confession and you start over. So that's the one that I mm-hmm. feel that's gets can tolerate and, and And you don't really have to like study your, your material you really don't and that's the difference i saw when going to a christian church for the same reason uh being 17 this time going for another girl to a christian church uh, mm-hmm. that's the first thing i saw when you went to the christian i was like i respected it because they actually knew their shit you know yeah. they, they, they knew the bible they knew verses and like they knew it mm-hmm. and to me it was very like art of warish like you know know your stuff you know know what you're gonna do yeah. you know and and from the Catholic Church, I went back to the Catholic Church looking like, man, we're we're kind of lazy, like we don't do that. You know? <laughs> we just show up, yawning, still probably hungover, half asleep, and someone goes up and and reads the the scripture for today, and we get up, we get down, we do the calisthenics, you know, and and we're out, you know, we do this and we're out of there and we're saved and we go to enjoy our Sunday meal or drink or whatever, and that's something that I feel like. I mean, look at the way that religion arrived in Latin America, right? It was forced on, you know, through colonization, obviously. It was something where it was like, okay, it was a middle ground. Okay, we'll do the minimum. And okay, all right, we'll we'll do the gestures. And that's kind of how I see it now. But um, when I was younger, I was actively anti-Catholic, actively this and that. Like you said, I was actively, oh, F y'all, F y'all. But um, that's something that I feel like with time, I've kind of mellowed out. And, you know, because no one has all the answers. So who am I to go and mock people for trying to find a way that speaks to them. So like that's mm-hmm. how when you said earlier, you're gonna get weird. You no, know, by all means get weird. To me, there's there's no weird. There's no right or wrong really. So like mm-hmm. that's something that um by all means. But something else to your point earlier that you mentioned, because uh, you touched on it. And it's funny because I also said that I didn't want to go down the regular rabbit hole of asking you about your past. But I mean you mentioned it mm-hmm. so you can talk about it now. You might kind of delve into that, into your profile punchline, if you will. Because when you go to your profile, that's the first thing you see. That's the first thing that pops out. You know, it's something that you actively, you know, talk about to bring awareness to it. I would imagine, can you speak on Mm -hmm. that a little bit? As far as, you know, your experience in that lifestyle.
1: Yeah, so it is definitely for that purpose, for sure. To like create the space and opportunity to talk about Certain things that don't get talked about enough, or they do get talked about in what I consider the wrong way, um, mm-hmm. in disempowering ways, uh, ways that perpetuate trauma versus start to try to actually stop it. And so, um, to stop being so elusive when you say my past, <laughs> I so I worked in the sex industry for almost eight years, starting at sixteen. So in in a various uh, number of forms, like different avenues in that industry, and so. Um, at the time, it was coming from, there was so much ego built into my decision to do what I did every single day. Every single part of it was like padded and protected with ego. That was distracting me, pulling my attention outside of myself, focusing on the money or the, what I thought was freedom at the time, because I made my own hours and like that kind of thing. Focusing on all of these externals in the most like egoic way to convince myself consciously that what i was doing was good that i was actually empowered that i was actually in control of everything that it was what i wanted to do without like being willing or able having the capacity to face the pain that would come with truly seeing it for what it was which was incredibly disempowering. you know like um it's the only industry in the world that calls access the most intimate access to another human being a service you know what i mean like you can get your oil change somebody gets under your car and does their shit for 15 minutes and then you pull them and you leave that's a service that's a skill that yeah. that person learn and they are you know signing themselves up to do and then you want the service that they learn and so it's happy customer you know win-win you go yeah. anywhere if somebody hires a prostitute for example that's not something she set out to learn. That's not a trade school. That's not a yeah. college degree. That's not a skill set. That's not wisdom. It's something that she has been culturally conditioned to through society, her own family, her whatever. Movies to believe that is her most valuable thing she can offer to the world doesn't take any development, doesn't take any effort. And all it does is requires the woman to uh, have a lack of boundaries, really. Mm-hmm. And then it's presented as something that's empowering for women if they choose to do it. But my like argument is where is the choice in something that's programmed from day one, the seed is planted from day one that that's something she can do. You know, it's not something that it's like first different than like, you can be anything you want to be when you grow up. You could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you could start a business. It's not something to aspire to. It's something to like, Lower yourself to when it's when you actually do it because you're taught that it's something you already pre-packaged with, you're already built with mm-hmm. this value that men want, and you can leverage it should you so choose. And then I think the most harmful narrative ever is that if you choose it, you're the one in power. When mm-hmm.
3: how
1: could that possibly be so? You know, when you're at the beck and call of somebody that's paying for access to your body that you would never give them with you know so it's like i think the whole entire idea of consent is flawed because consent is just like a drunk person you can't consent when you're drunk you can't consent with a lifetime of trauma blurring your worldview either you know so it's like mm-hmm. if you can't even see the trauma how can you call it consent from that place so mm-hmm. yeah i can go on and, on and on and on forever about this topic i, I get really no,
0: i feel you yeah i feel okay. you i feel you i mean rightfully yeah. so i mean to your point it's all circumstantial. Like, no one goes into that profession because they want to. It's out of desperation or out of, like, you, some kind of brainwashing, indoctrination that goes on to empower you. And there's big money behind all of this. Uh, sex yes. industry, obviously, that's on many layers there. I didn't want to interrupt you, but people think sex industry, they just think prostitution, but obviously, there's many layers there. So, oh, yeah. I think that it's like circumstantial. Like you said, it's, it's a brainwashing that goes on, but do you dif- differentiate? And I think you do because you mentioned What blemishes the entire process of liberating yourself is the fact that the trauma is involved and also the monetary, you know, exchange Mm -hmm. that happens. Do you, Mm -hmm. on the other side, feel that it is liberating when a person, you know, if they have consensual sex with people without the monetary involvement, like partners? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like, or how do you approach that? Because I feel like people, sometimes people go so anti- you know one way that they're the other way where it's like way into marriage and do not explore sexuality how do you kind of juggle the two
1: yeah that's a really good question so i think that when it comes to like in general for a woman like the female like reclamation of your sexual like really coming into right relationship with your sexuality i think that you know, assuming you weren't raised in a perfect bubble where it's intact, <laughs> you're either on one end of the spectrum or the other, where you're either like hypersexualized sexualized because you've learned to be. And so that's definitely like the background I'm coming from, where you, you know, you you wear your push up bra to the football game in high school uh, instead of the other one because you know it's going to get you a certain type of attention. Even the most subtle things like that, where you are trained in every way, from every angle, to present yourself as appealing in a way. Or the other opposite direction where, like, you, you, like, detach from your sexuality and it becomes something that's, like, it's, like, removed from yourself, you, like, shut down to it. That's, like, the baggy t-shirts kind of a girl because they don't want guys to look at them at all, you know? Yeah. So it's, like, one or the other, um, I find, is where a woman is coming from, and she could be anywhere on that spectrum. It could be extreme, like, my sister somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, hold on, let me gather my thoughts, I'm getting...
3: <laughs>
2: getting
1: all over the place. Mm-hmm. You're okay. fine. Okay. I might be losing
0: it. <laughs> but you're fine. You're fine. You're fine.
1: You're saying you said differentiation between.
0: Yeah, like, values. like, because yeah, yeah, because yeah, there's always there's always wait until marriage. Do not even do it, and right. you know, yeah. So.
1: Okay. Okay. I got it, the girl. So I think that for women who are coming from the more like hyper-sexualized um, trauma that mm-hmm. they are like, I have advice, different advice for you know, sit of the spectrum. If you're coming from that that side where you have learned to sexualize yourself, learn to objectify yourself to get what you want, to get attention, to get love, to get, um, you know, an A in class, like whatever it might be. If you've learned to leverage your sex appeal in any way, then I consider quote-unquote consensual sex just for the sake of exploring to be more harmful than because if that's the the deep-seated belief that you are like seen as valuable for having sex appeal then i think any like deposit into that bank is going to reaffirm those beliefs that are disempowering so it's like you might be exploring some fun thing maybe you've always wanted to have a threesome you meet some guy at a bar he wants to have a threesome great It's all consensual because you said you wanted to do it. They wanted to do it. But if the deep, deep, deep down shadow belief is that you couldn't be loved if you weren't that sexual, if you weren't into threesomes, if you didn't want to explore, then putting yourself in those positions only affirms that, you know, Mm. but I see, I think the opposite for the opposite side, where if it's a woman who has been very disconnected from her sexuality. I think that there is a very fine line, like a certain small window of empowerment that a woman needs to go through to, um, like I've heard women, I don't use this word, but I've heard women call it like their whole phase or their slap phase or whatever, where yeah. they for the first time in their lives are allowing themselves to be sexual. I think there is value in that, but it needs to be very conscious and intentional and contained. Because mm-hmm. that quickly turns into the other end of it where you're then seeking attention through that part of yourself that you just mm-hmm. You know, So I think it can be done with care in an empowering way, but um, ultimately, I think that the whole entire idea of consent is flawed, <laughs> really.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because it, it uh, to your point, uh, the, the first example, you the, the little example you threw out as far as going to be wearing a padded up bra, it's little things like that that they know that, um, obviously, hopefully, you know, as as a teenager at a high school game, they're not you know thinking in a sexual sexual way, but they know at the very least the men are going to treat them better. Um, okay. That there, there was there was a, a sitcom you might not know it, Smart Guy from back in the day.
2: Okay.
0: No, it was a sitcom, and this the main this uh, the sister of the main character she was debating whether or not to get a boob job. And she had like, she kept trying to go to auditions for a play and she would never get the part. And then she, one day she started wearing up bra and she started getting attention from all of the guys. Everyone's being so nice to her. They were uh, tripping over stairs to give her drinks, uh, giving her the main part saying she didn't have to read just because of, you know, she didn't get the boo job, but she got the padded in. And the end of the, of the show is her saying that she didn't want, she didn't like that. People treated her different. Right. For, because of that, because you know, they started not appreciating her actual passion and drive mm-hmm. to the part because she was good. She, was, she, she did her role and she practiced all night for, to read the lines. And When it came time to read them, she didn't have to, but she wanted to. She wanted to earn the role. And obviously that's a show. So it's a Disney show. But even back in, I mean, sitcoms always have little nuggets of like little life lessons in there for you. But that was mm-hmm. that's something that immediately came to mind when you brought that up as far as like, is it consent? If you, if you know that this guy, like, cause there's always those pressures, um, um, the cliche is the, the high school boyfriend that wants to have sex with his, um, girlfriend and she's not ready yet. And the mm-hmm. whole, um, I love you. Don't you love me? You know, like, that's what love is. If you it, So that's not consent though. It's like, it, it is because she's like, okay, finally, okay. You've been badgering me. Okay. I prom night, we'll do it you know, get a cliche, you will do it at prom night. That's, that's not actual consent. Cause you're, you're beating her down and you're, right. you know, you're, it's like, it's something that I, I think luckily, hopefully, fortunately, I'm hopeful that now we're seeing it more because, um, there, there was a movie, uh, and I'm going ref- to, I'm, I'm good at referencing movies, but there was a movie where this guy, he was being accused of raping this girl. And, um, he said she just needed a little convincing. That's all it was. And like, he didn't actually rape her, but he badgered her, badgered her, badgered her. She needed convincing. And universally in the theater and also whoever I watched it with, whenever I watched it with someone, there was always an eye roll and like, uh, ugh, like at that line. So that, that that's good. I think we're in a good direction, you know, cause it was a universal disgust at that line of she needed convincing. Like, you know, so that's just it was like an ick that goes through the spine when you hear that. And I think that's a good thing because like back in the day, it would be, you know, it would be something that you have to chase the rabbit to get the tail. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you gotta convince them, you gotta beat them down, not literally, but you know, you gotta wear them down, right? You gotta convince them, wear them down and badger them and badger them. And now to see people get an ick from that, it, maybe I'm too hopeful, but that's that's a difference that I see as far as a uh, culture, you
1: know, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think that what you're talking to, like the post um, narrative, cultural narrative around like, um, sex almost needing to be like taken in order to, to be had. Um,
0: yeah, a, con- a conquest, yeah.
1: Right, like it's, it's something to conquer. It mm-hmm. has been fed by the other c- cultural narrative that has stripped women of their sexuality. You know, mm-hmm. in a way that's truly theirs. Like it's we're hypersexualized for men, but it's not for the woman herself, it's for the benefit of somebody else. Mm-hmm. And we're hyper-sexualized for ourselves, like for seeking pleasure, whatever mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. the cliche mm-hmm. joke in sitcoms or cartoons or movies where a, a younger boy finds out that a girl masturbates and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like this thing he couldn't possibly wrap his head around because women are presented in our culture as like sexual to be used, but not sexual for themselves. And Mm so um if that is
0: that's that's very well put that's that's very well put. Yeah. That's how the world
1: is seeing women, then of course men, their counterpart, are seen as the one that need to go out and get the sex because of course the woman who is uh definitely not someone that masturbates isn't gonna give it (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know and so it just like Mm -hmm. perpetuates this disempowered narrative for women that they are you know, shameful or wrong or dirty or even justified in their lack of sexual connection or desire. And that the man is justified in his, um, overdoing of that. And then on his side of things, like I get, so it's all connected to me, you know, interconnectedness is such a foundational theme in my work. Um, that's why I love working with men and women both because I can see both sides and go really deep and see how it's all connected. Then on the man side, it's like I think that men are underserved and rape culture and just the whole idea that men are like like the whole toxic masculinity thing and men are overly sexual creatures is perpetuated because men's specific cultural conditioning is that you cannot express yourself in this way or this way or this way, Mm -hmm. but you can. And these these ones over here, you know, boys don't, but boys can be horny and they can get those are
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. just being pleasure for the sake of pleasure like yeah. eating an ice cream cone and loving it a woman could do that a man does that you're like gay you know oh,
0: skipping so- i used to love skipping when i was a kid i can't skip anymore <laughs> we no. cannot skip
1: exactly so skipping. like maybe maybe your man needs to go pick some flowers and like yeah. skipping and smell the roses and like get a massage but all of that potential stress relief is channeled into those very small outlets that he's been conditioned by, which is mm-hmm. sex and maybe like a burger and a bean or something like mm-hmm. what else is the pleasure that men are allowed to, or the outlet for emotional you know mm-hmm. uh, relief that they're allowed to have so it's like i can i can argue either side because there is no side you know we're all here with a purpose and a complement mm-hmm. to each other i don't think it's men or women it's men and um and and I don't think anybody wins when we get to like digging our heels in on either side because the end goal has to be if you're doing that to like win, and if one side wins, the whole team loses because we're on the same team, (laughs) you know, team team humanity. And so Mm -hmm. I see just all the separation.
0: I, I can appreciate that, and that's a good point because it's it's a very it's very easy to go down, and I mean rightfully so because the way our Society, you know, as a patriarch, it's very easy to go down that road of just, you know, men bad. um You know, but also I think that that takes a little bit of the onus off to, of the problem. So I think mm-hmm. that's something that, you know, I saw from your content that it was also directed towards men, uh sexual health, you know, sexual pleasures, listening to your sexual pleasures, you know, being transparent about these things and being open about mm-hmm. exploring your own sexual desires with your partner and mm-hmm. not being. In that pigeonhole where a guy can't express you know this or that a guy can't be vulnerable about this and that a guy can't you know oh the girl made a joke about um me not lasting long enough to her friend and that made me feel like shit you know guys don't usually express that to no one because even they can't say that to their friends either their friends would also be like eh, kind of trash yeah. you know so so yeah. you can't express that to anyone but it, you just have to kind of take it and just kind of laugh it off and you know that's how it is so that's something that your content do you feel like it's also directed like not to put yourself in one lane but do you feel like with your content is there one side you kind of end up speaking to a bit more whether it be men Mm -hmm. women in the heterosexual sense
1: you know men or women or is
0: it just like is that something you don't actively set out to do is it does it just kind of happen
1: it's definitely something I don't actively set out to do. Like I go through phases I've noticed where sometimes I'm just like team men and sometimes I'm like team women and like the content that's coming through me is more directed to one or the other. Um, But I think that that kind of like wave that it goes through is all purposeful too, because I always circle back and it's always tied together with the other side, because I think without that it's incomplete and it doesn't actually serve people um, in the grandest scheme of things, you know, because like. Yeah, there's there's a place for men's work, there's a place for women's work. But if they're always only exclusive, mm. then what's the end goal? You know, yeah. for men to be on yeah. team men and women to be on team women, that's yeah. still separation. Yeah,
0: let, let me tell you, I saw one of your videos and it had me like, because when you meet someone or, you know, when you interact with someone, obviously virtually or you first hear yeah. of someone. You kind of like, not set out to figure them out, but you set out to be like, to find some kind of example you're familiar with, to be like, okay, this person is kind of like this person. This person relates to so-and-so in my life that I can kind of compare to. And it was funny because one of your videos, I kept feeling like I had the agenda, if you will, of the video kind of figured out. And then it was like, you flipped it again. And you flipped it again. It was the one about um about a, a, a fella's are you tired of your woman like uh, nagging you?
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And I was like, Oh, she's about to say, Oh, tough shit, get up and, and and improve, right. Work on these things that she wants to, to work on. You dumb man, <laughs> you know, fix the problem. Then if you don't want to hear about it, that's, I thought you were going on that road, you know, it would have been okay. Fair enough. You know, I'm okay. You know, that's cool. It's your page. It's It's whatever you want to do. But then you flipped it. You're like, actually, no. You got to think about she's doing this because there's other stressors. And when you stop receiving the reciprocating energy, she's going to be more frustrated. And you could probably actually get to the crisp of the argument instead of, you know, just climbing up or whatever, whatever hasn't been working. There's a way to fix this. And that was funny because your video, like I said, it kept like, I was like. Okay, wait. Where is <laughs> And like you said, it's funny because you said your your team humanity, and it's like okay, she's so you team humanity—that makes sense. Yeah. Now. yeah, yeah. I appreciate that reflection
2: because that's that's
0: the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because cause as a complete outsider looking in, you know, doing research for for our podcast, that that's that was my genuine reaction. You know, it's like okay, you know, okay, and then it's oh, all right, okay, I got you. All right, cool. But that, that's something that, do you feel like as a, as a like, would you put yourself as a life coach, dating coach, or how would you label yourself? like?
1: So, perfectly timed question, because I just recently had a session, um, today's mm-hmm. Wednesday, two days ago, with mm-hmm. a branding person that I'm interested in working with. And we've she helped me dial that in a lot, because for the last at least six months, maybe closer to a year, I've really not been resonating with the term coach in general mm. and i have tried it on a bunch of different ways intimacy coach relationship coach life coach intuitive coach mutual mm. life coach all these different things and it just doesn't feel completely true it doesn't land um mm-hmm. because the actual work that i do with my clients and like where it's all coming from in me is so much more than what coaching is it's mm. you know it's, it's therapy. I'm, I'm a somatic attachment therapist as well. So, like, it's therapy. Mm-hmm. But it's also um, so much more than, that. you know, it's mystical. It's, like, esoteric. It's um,
2: good intuitive. Word.
1: Thank esoteric. You? I'm an intuitive guide for these people in a way that's, like, um, I'm a somatic healer. I don't say therapist because I feel like that puts me in a box. Like, people are like, oh, do you take insurance? What state are you in? And I'm like, no, I don't want any of that red tape. So I'm a somatic healer. I focus on healing from the body and um, I'm a tantra teacher. I'm, I'm trained. I'm a practitioner of a specific lineage of Tibetan Buddhist tantra. And can, then, can
0: you talk about that a little bit? Cause I saw that and I didn't know what that was. And I wanted to ask you.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, so yeah, there's a handful of titles that are all true, but what's landing the most right now is definitely like somatic healer, um, mm-hmm. relationship guide, even relationship coach feels okay, but it's not like the only title, you know. Okay. Um if coach makes it clear more clear to somebody what it is that I do then fine. But um like you're gonna get more than what you get if you're looking for a coach, you know, um mm-hmm. when you work with me. So yeah, the depth is definitely deeper than the coaching industry.
0: So in- so you you perceive which your line of work or what which what your mission is it's like you're in the trenches with the person. Because the coach isn't with you in the game. The coach tells you what to do from the sideline. And you see it as, I mean, actively, you said earlier, you were on with a client, actively with them on Bumble. So yeah. it's like you're in the trenches with them, so to speak. Is that kind of how you would put it?
1: Yes, absolutely. And that's like a super, like, super surface level, like, easy example is like the, doing the dating profile thing with them. Mm-hmm. But it could also be something as deep as like, so I'm, I'm a tantra practitioner. This is what I've studied for the last, like, three and a half years. And I am trained in hands-on sexual healing, body work. So, like, yoni massage, lingam massage. Lingam is, like, the it's a Sanskrit term for for penis. And mm-hmm. similar to yoni. So, yoni is more mainstream now. Yoni actually translates to sacred space. And so, mm-hmm. like yoni means, like, you know, vagina isn't actually the whole thing. Vagina is, like, part of the whole thing. And so, yoni yep. encompasses the whole thing. So, it's a better word. Yep. So, yoni in sacred space and lingam in Sanskrit means wand of light and so oh. that's it's just more of like a beautiful term more of a traditional mm-hmm. term in tantra lineages and so linga massage yoni massage are both things that i'm trained in that for for specific clients um for like deep shamanic like somatic healing through their their sex in an energy uh, involving a whole bunch of energy work as well and so um It's one version of how my Tantra shows up. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. Tantra in general, to circle back to that question, Mm -hmm. Tantra, the word Tantra means to weave. And um, specific to weave. Mm -hmm. Like like weave a basket. And the specific lineage that I study, which is a lineage of Tibetan Buddhist Tantra, Mm -hmm. it directly means to weave sound and form with light. Or light and form with sound. And so, in General, what Tantra means to me is it's a spiritual science. So it is kind of both. There's like one foot in both worlds. It is very um, mystical and esoteric, and it's also very, very grounded in like energetics and science that can be measured. And so it's both, and it can be dated back all the way back to like 17,000 years ago, is really the origins of the very first lineages of Tantra. And I see it as one of many ways to enlightenment, to ascension, healing, whatever you want to call it, um, because it promotes the weaving together of everything. It promotes your ultimate integration of your mind, your body, your emotions, your spirit, your sex, your relationship to nature, your relationship to your partners, your relationship with yourself, to God. Like, everything is connected through a tantric lens, and I personally believe that everything is connected in truth, in reality. And so I think Tantra just, for me at least, has been a very compatible modality in a way, because it it gives me tools to help people integrate their own wholeness in their own lives. And so that's how I use it. It's not inherently sexual, but it can be. There are sexual components to Tantra, and so um, I work with it in both ways.
0: Okay. So, so on a surface level, what I kind of get from it, are you trying to live in harmony with the nature and everything that encompasses the body and the connection there? Is it like, is it something where like, is there meditation involved where you're actively trying to remain in harmony with everything around you? Or or is that kind of the gist of what I'm getting from it? Mm -hmm.
2: So um,
1: I really love this description. It's so easy to like wraps wrap your head around for someone that's never um like dove into it so yoga we all for the most part know what yoga is it's like a regular physical practice for the sake of like strengthening toning training your physical body tantra is like yoga for the energy body okay and so for the energetic part of yourself like the spirit part of yourself tantra is a practice it's a way for you to cultivate strength um, a sense of groundedness, a connection to the part of yourself, an attunement to that part of yourself. The same way you are more, more connected to your own body, body. in your 10 yoga classes than you are in the first yoga class, you start practicing tantra in any of its forms for six months, you'll be more tuned in to how connected everything is, to what's going on in your own self, on a mental level, on an emotional level. You'll just be more aware of like the the um, undercurrent of everything that's going on and how it's all happening at once through energetic practice because it grounds it you in that energetic way or in that energetic part of yourself. So yeah, I I really love I love um, Like if you're familiar with any chakra system, it's probably the Hindu chakra system, which is like the seven chakras that most of the Western world is familiar with. You know, sacral root solar plexus that is a part of tantra and so it just is the acknowledgement of our energy body um it recognizes that we have an energy body that is superior not as in better than but like first to our physical Mm -hmm. anything that you experience as illness or wellness is going to manifest energetically first and so tantra is a way to like um strengthen tone and heal your energetics so that the physical manifestation of that is what you want it to be.
2: Mm. Okay. Yeah,
0: I I, I believe in a very minuscule, naive, I'm naive to what you're saying. I've I've never heard of it. You're speaking Arabic Mm. to me. Mm -hmm. I I, I think think in a very basic way for me to kind of uh, wrap my head around it um, that I can relate to in my own personal life, it's similar, I would kind of relate it to me stopping and taking five deep breaths, you know, trying to just get that calm you know when something is happening, kind of just stopping and just kind of trying to reconnect and recalibrate my my body and my soul, so yeah. I think there's a lot of credence to what you're saying um from my perspective like i said i don't I don't I don't know it at all, but immediately I see similar things you know as far as breathing techniques things. obviously that's not too narrow down what you're saying to just breathing obviously i wouldn't do that i don't know enough of it to even go down that road but immediately i think it's very effective in that sense because i know that breathing helps a lot for stressful situations and so obviously doing Mm -hmm. things like that with even more focus you know on the tantra it could be very beneficial for the for the mind body and so i think
1: yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. Even even if just the recognition, recognition of those, those, those things, things, you know, all in one is I
0: think healing in itself. In itself. So uh, thank you for your time, man. It was it was really enlightening, and I'm definitely gonna look into some things, and I'm gonna gonna follow you on Instagram because I I really liked how it wrapped my head around. Like you know, when you meet someone or when you come across them when you're trying to figure them out, quote unquote. And it was Ooh. definitely something that it, I haven't been surprised like that in a very long time. Mm. so appreciate thank you your so time yeah. yeah thank you so much we'll leave it there and we'll be in touch
1: thank you
0: all right bye
1: this is so <laughs> refreshing yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 this was such good. a refreshing conversation thank you so much for
0: having me uh, no worries no-